got something in my spirit this morning I want to share with you. Um, and maybe if you open your Bibles, we'll have a look at this. This is in, in Luke 15. The last number of weeks, I've just been looking at this uh, chapter again because I've been preparing to do a sort of six-week sort of uh, study on that, which um, was going to actually put out on the radio. And so I've got these titles for these six messages. And today is actually the, the beginning is called A Far Country. And I want to talk to you this morning about what, that, what a far country is and what that means. And today I just trust that you're not going to remember everything I say today, but you will hear something from the Holy Spirit. When you hear a certain phrase or a certain line, something in you will jump. Take notes when your heart jumps. That's the Holy Spirit quickening something to you. We're going to talk about the quickening of the Holy Spirit today because God is so good. He doesn't leave us to believe by ourselves. He gives us His Holy Spirit to enable us to believe. That is so comforting, isn't it? Even when we come together, we open God's Word. Nobody is asking you to believe by yourself. God's not asking you to do anything by yourself. In fact, He gives you this promise, by yourself you can do nothing. How do you say nothing in different languages? (laughs) Nothing. By yourself you can do nothing. So we're not by ourselves this morning, amen? Holy Spirit is here to help us. Look at uh, Luke 15. And we're going to read actually from verse 11. You know these, this uh, story so well. This morning, you see, because this story does something particular to me all the time. It gives me my life from a totally different perspective than mine. It shows me my life from the perspective of our Father who art in heaven, praise God. And that's what he's going to do in our lives again this morning. Verse 11, this famous story, the prodigal son, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with a prodigal living. Praise God. A far country. What was he trying to do? He was trying to forget his old life. He was trying to make a life for himself. And this morning I want to show you that's what religion is. (laughs) It's trying to make a life for yourself. It's trying to put your past behind you. It's trying to separate yourself from your old self in your own strength. So in his own strength, this younger son got up and he moved as far away as he can get from his father to make a life for himself. And the Lord called that a far country. And I want to show you very simply this morning, religion is a far country for the child of God. Because God never intended for you or I to do anything by ourselves. Now, I said that this story shows us from a different perspective than we've ever seen before. And that's quite an amazing thing, you know. I want you to think about this thought. Imagine comparing yourself today, your life today, with how you imagined your life to be when you were two years of age. Anybody here remember when they were two? For some of us, that's more difficult than others. John, do you remember when you were two? You've got a good memory. And think about how you felt about your life when you were two. Think about the perspective you had in your life and compare that to the perspective you have today, all these years later. Those intervening years have made a big difference to your perspective, yes or no? I think so. If those intervening years, for me it would be 50-something years, have made a difference to my perspective, think how much a difference would make to your perspective to have an eternity of years, an eternity of years intervening between then and now. 
Jesus speaking to you is eternity intervening in your life. Hearing the Holy Spirit is having eternity intervene in your life. And I trust today when I speak of who God declares you to be, you will have that experience of eternity intervening in your life and giving you such a perspective that you can actually believe what you sang this morning. That is more than I've ever asked or imagined. More than I've ever asked or imagined. To hear Jesus speak to you is to experience eternity intervening in your life. So his words don't just make a world of difference. They bring us into a totally new world. A totally new world. Because he sees us and speaks to us not as we see ourselves to be, but as he sees us to be. Let me say that again. When the Lord comes to speak to us, he speaks to us not as we see ourselves to be, but as he sees us to be, you know? So when I meet Ashok in the morning, I say, oh, okay, Ashok, how's it going? What's the crack? How's it going back at the house? How's Kieran? You see what I'm doing? I'm speaking to him how I know him. How long have I known you now, Ashok? Oh, about 30, 40 years. <laughs> Don't sound so disappointed about it. <laughs> 30 or 40 years, it must be over 30 years, you know. So I speak to him according to his earthly record. You see, I only know him according to his earthly record, and he only knows me according to my earthly record. But when Jesus speaks to you, he doesn't speak that way, does he? He knows you from a long time. And I'm going to show you this morning that he actually knows Ashok from all eternity. And he knows Phelim from all eternity as well. And therefore, when he speaks to us, he speaks in a totally different way. Why is this so important? Because many Christians think the Holy Spirit is the one who's haranguing them all week about what they haven't done. You haven't read your Bible enough. You haven't gone to church. You haven't been nice enough. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. He cannot speak to you according to your earthly record. No, I need to prove that to you. So we better open the Bible. Eh? Oh, praise the Lord. Where are we going to open? How about this? Let's open at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Have a little look at that, okay? And while you're opening there, I'm going to say some other things to you. Being older in the natural does change your perspective on your life. The older you get, I think a more sober opinion you have of yourself. Isn't that right? I mean, when you're seven years of age, if there's anybody here seven years of age, and you ask somebody what they want to be, they might say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> When you ask them then, maybe a few years later, they say, well, okay, all right, all right. I'll, I'll settle for getting to uh, this stage. Thanks very much. Uh, I'll do this. I'll do that. We, as we get older, sometimes, you know, you remember when Jesus was speaking to the crowd who were about to stone the woman to death for adultery? And he said to them, those who are without sin cast the first stone. Who left first? The oldest. All right, the oldest left first. Why? <laughs> when you're older, you have a more sober opinion, you know? Praise God. But perspective from his point of view, oh my goodness, the perspective from his point of view is just so different, you know? He does not look at you from your record. Why? Here, here's the truth. He canceled your record at the cross. That's what he did. If you don't believe me, it's Colossians 2 verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross, you see? So there's two ways people can speak to you. They can speak to you through the cross, through Jesus, or they can speak to you according to your earthly record. By the time I'm finished with you this morning, I hope that you'll agree it's much better to be spoken of in Christ than it is according to your earthly record. Now, if you think that makes no sense, the next bit's not going to make any sense at all. <laughs> you and I may be obsessed with our performance, with how we appear in the world, but our Father in heaven has never seen us after our earthly record. He has never seen what we do 
as who we are. He has never seen what we do as who we are. In his heart, he has always seen us according to his eternal plan. He's always seen us as a father would, as a father would. I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When you and I were one year of age, we howled like a dog when we were hungry. And we would have eaten our food off the floor like a dog, given the chance. And we probably did our business on the floor like a dog. But you know what? Our parents never treated you or I as a dog. Why not? <laughs> because their longer perspective on life allowed them to see you and I not according to our earthly record, but according to the plan and purpose they had for our lives. It allowed them to think of us and to speak to us in a way that prospered us and didn't harm us and give us a hope and a future because they saw us in their mind's eye as mature, precious. They never saw us as a dog and they absolutely, definitely never spoke to us as a dog. And that's why the Holy Spirit will not speak to you as a dog, even when you're behaving like a dog. Did anybody get that? That's why the Holy Spirit will never speak to you as a dog, even if you're behaving like a dog. That's why when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, who were behaving like dogs, and we all know what they were doing, he didn't say, you're a dog. He said, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. For the same reason that your mother and father never related to you or spoke to you as a dog, they said, you are my child, my precious child, and I will never speak to you in any other way, especially on the day you behave like a dog. Because on that day, more than any other day, that's the day. The last thing you need to hear is, you're a dog. <laughs> Paul wrote to the Corinthians, says, why are you behaving like mere men? Mere men. You see, the difference between somebody who knows who they are in Christ and somebody who's behaving like a mere man is almost the difference between humans and dogs. Sometimes we have this phrase, uh, they were behaving like animals. <laughs> But from the heavenly point of view, if you're behaving badly, they say, God, you're behaving like men. You're not mere men. You're children of the living God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful. Praise God. Now, when you were a year of age, how much older were, you, were your parents than you? Average? 30 years. 30 years. Yeah, I thought maybe 25, 30 years of age. So they had a 25 longer years of perspective than you. How much longer do you think God's perspective in your life is than yours? Have you got that scripture yet? Let's read it together. This shows you. 2 Timothy 1, from verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has raised us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So there it says very clearly that his perspective on your life, his name for you in Christ, he has known since before time began. Isn't that amazing? How could he know that? How is that true? Hold on to your hats. Christ dying on the cross 2,000 years ago did not change God's opinion of you, did not change God's name for you. It only revealed his opinion of you. It revealed 
his name for you. It was the revelation of God's view of you because his calling of you, his name for you, was never according to your works. Read it again from verse 8. His holy calling is not according to your works. That's your earthly record. But according to his own purpose and grace given in Christ before time began. That's why the scripture can say the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, even before you and I had a record of sin, even before there was such a thing as sin, even before the foundation of the world, God purposed that our lives would never be defined by our earthly record, that he'd never see us as what we did, but he would see us in Christ, that he would say who we are. Your parent, you are the person you are today because you believed your parents. <laughs> Their words defined your life and for better, for worse. Not all that was good, you know. Our parents, we love our parents, but, but there's only one perfect father whose word is perfect and brings us into a perfection, you know. So God purposed that our lives should be defined by Christ, by him, not by us. Christ did not come to change the Father's mind about us. He came as the revelation of the Father's mind about us. Oh, that's very, very powerful. If you forget everything else I said today, remember that. Christ did not come to change the Father's mind about you. He came that you would know the Father's mind about you. That's what verse 10, look at it again. Look what God revealed, his eternal name, his eternal calling for us. How has it been revealed? Look at verse 10. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ didn't come to change the Father's mind about you. He came to reveal the Father's mind about you. For he knows what every parent instinctively knows. When your child is behaving like a dog, speaking to them as a dog will never call them out of that life. I'll say that again. When your child is living like a dog, speaking to them as a dog will never call them out of that life. Which is why the Holy Spirit never calls you or relates to you after your earthly record, but after your heavenly record, praise God, whom God has called you from before the foundation of the world. Now, unfortunately for us, many of us as believers have not been called up, called up into that maturity of the sons of God. We've not been called upward in Christ because in the church, most people continue to see us after the flesh, our earthly record, rather than after the spirit. And speak to us that way. When we have needed new covenant prophets <clears throat> calling people upwards in Christ, we've got old covenant prophets who don't call people up, they call people out. <laughs> I know what you've been up to, brother. <laughs> yeah, of course, I know what I've been up to too. Tell me something is going to change my life. Don't call me a dog. Tell me who I am in Christ. Speak to me after the Spirit. Speak to me in Christ. You know, in the words of Paul, he said it this way. You have 10,000 managers but not many fathers. Do you remember he wrote that? You have 10,000 managers, but not many fathers. What did he mean by that? Well, if the figures are right, he means, in fact, that for every one person who'll see you as a father in heaven sees you and speak to you that way, there are 10,000 who'll only speak to you according to your sins, according to your earthly record. And that is why if we don't come under the gospel that brings life and immortality to light, the gospel that reveals the Father's eternal perspective on you, you'll spend years in management, sin management, religiously trying to make a life for yourself in your own strength. The best the voice of a manager can do is tell you who you could become one day if you do this or that or the other. The best the voice of a manager can tell you is who you can become the voice of a father tells you who you are. Oh, that's much more powerful, isn't it? What do you need this morning? To know who you could become or to know who you are? I don't know about you. I need to know who I am. 
Because when I believe who I am, I am that person. If I'm not acting who I believe I am, I'm a hypocrite. That's, that's the definition of a hypocrite, isn't it? If you're actually doing or saying something, but you don't really believe that's who you are. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to absolutely persuade my heart of who I am and who he is. That out of that persuasion comes my life. That's why the scripture says, guard your heart, guard what you're being persuaded of. Listen, guard this week what you're being persuaded of. Because it, uh, you can't live beyond it. No matter what I say from the front here, if somebody else is convincing you of something different, that you're just are no good, rotten, so-and-so, you will live a depressed, fearful, anxious, judgmental, small life. Because you cannot live beyond the boundaries of what you have believed. Isn't that wonderful just to come under the sound of the gospel? Only the voice of the Father can tell you who you are. As long as you cannot see the new creation, the Son, the Father, declares you to be in Christ. You'll spend your life trying to make a new life for yourself, trying to distance yourself from your past. I'll get a new set of friends. I'll go to a different work. I'll go to a different church. <laughs> I'll, move, I'll move country. What are you doing? You're trying to distance yourself from your past. That's our way of trying to make a new life for ourselves. What are you doing? You're in the far country. That's what the Son did. He said, I'll go to a far country. And that's what religion is. It's an attempt in your own strength to make a life, a new life for yourself. It's living in the far country. It's where we end up when we don't listen to the name, the calling the Father has for us. Perfect in Christ, my son. <clears throat> we cannot be the sheep of the shepherd, children born of our Father in heaven, if we do not receive his voice as the truth about us. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. Yeah. I know them and they follow me. I like that translation says, my sheep listen to my voice. Some translations say, my sheep hear my voice. But you know what? You can hear me this morning, but not listen to me. Isn't that true? You can hear, but not listen. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Sometimes we can hear, but not really receive. John 1 verse 11 said that. He came to his own and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So let me put that another way. The Father can speak to us the truth of who we are, but you can only live from that truth if you can receive that truth. You can only live from that truth if you can receive that truth. And here is some very good news I want to leave you with this morning. <laughs> God doesn't leave us to believe by ourselves. He doesn't leave that to us. So we're talking about the difference between maybe a perspective of 40 or 50 years on your life and the difference God's eternal perspective makes in your life, hearing who you are from his point of view. And that being born again, that hearing and believing that message, God does not leave you or I to do that by ourselves. That's the work of the Spirit. Thank God for that. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, Lord, that's lifted such a burden, isn't it? All my life I was told I need to, I need to pray more. I need to do more. I need to believe better. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. You need to get your faith sorted out. You need to get your obedience sorted out. You need to get your, 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 your. <laughs> the gospel sets you free from that. Because he never left you to do anything by yourself. God is so, so good. He doesn't leave us to work up the faith from within ourselves. He gifts us the faith to believe even. You could say the believing spirit. Praise God. <clears throat> the spirit that comes through the proclamation of the truth that in Christ you were reconciled to God. You were reconciled to God. That's a done deal. And therefore you can now be, if you believe that, you can now be reconciled to God. You can actually live from there. Live and move and have our being in Him. So the truth, the Holy Spirit, 
can witness to with our spirits, and this is his witness, his empowering that enables us to believe. <clears throat> Remember I said this morning that <clears throat> you might hear something this morning, and something in you jumps, and that's the Holy Spirit. He is enabling you to believe. Isn't that so good? The Bible uses a phrase, he witnesses with your spirit. That means he empowers your will. God does not leave you to your own willpower. Nobody is a Christian by willpower. Oh, that's good news. Because you're not born by the will of man, are you? But by the Spirit of God. Nobody is born by blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but by the Spirit of God. God doesn't leave you to your willpower. What he does is he empowers your will. Uh, that's worth remembering. It's not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of a will empowered. And your will is being empowered this morning by being under the sound of this word, and so is mine. That's the power of God's word. That's the power of the truth. The truth, if you're hearing the truth about who God declares you to be in Christ, your will is being empowered. You're actually, by the grace of God, faith comes by, and then your will is being empowered. You're thinking, you know what? I don't understand everything he's saying, but something in me feels better. I can feel depression lifting. I can feel fear going. I feel, I feel stronger. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit witnessing with your spirit that this is true. This is true. You were made for this. You were made for him. You were made for his opinion of you. And if you don't receive his opinion of you, you will spend your whole life thirsty and hungry because nobody else's opinion can do to you what his opinion will do to you. His view and opinion, his doxa, his glory. Jesus said to his disciples, and he prayed to the Father in the, in the garden, Father, I have given them the glory that we share. <laughs> I have told them who they are. I have demonstrated your love for them. Praise God. So the gospel is not a message about my righteousness, my faith, my willpower. It's the message about the gift of his. And such a message that my salvation doesn't depend on me fills me with such a joy that I find this strange force in my life. It's called thanksgiving. Thanksgiving it's much more powerful than guilt. For years, I thought that the most powerful force in my life was guilt. If I worried enough or felt guilty enough about what I was doing, then maybe I'd do better. So I tried for, for decades to feel guilty enough to be a better person, and it never worked. Save you a lot of trouble, Anna. It never works. The most powerful force in my life, I found, to make me a more gentle, loving, gracious, generous person is thanksgiving. If Melvin comes to my door tomorrow morning and tells me I've won the lottery, I'm going to be really kind the whole day. <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to borrow 20 pounds, you come and see me. That's no problem at all, you know. Because I will suddenly find within myself a great generosity. You know why? Because I actually believe, Melvin, I actually believe I won the lotto. You see, when you believe the gospel that God has not withheld one good thing from you, you can't help, you don't have to work up generosity, it flows. You don't have to work up patience, it flows. Amen. When you believe, in fact, that he has already given you everything that you need, well, on the day when you're standing with nothing in your bank account and everything's falling to bits, really, you can be patient. Amen. Because this doesn't tell you who you are, because the Holy Spirit's already witnessing with you who you are. Isn't that right? Amen. And that's why I just keep preaching the same message over and over again. Amen. Has anybody noticed? <laughs> Don't tell anybody, you see. I always say this, you know. I've been married to Nicola for 32 years, and I knew her for a few years before that. So for nearly 40 years, I've been saying to her every day, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, she's yet to say to me, oh, for goodness sake, will you think of something else to say? 
I mean, is that the best you can do? I love you, I love you, I love you. Do you not think after 40 years I finally got it? I don't think she's got it yet. I love you. See, we're all built for love. But love is a person. So there's all sorts of love in this world. Even, even the love of, 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 of a wife, really, does not match the love of a father. Because if I, unless I'm settled and know who I am in him, I will abuse that love. I will manipulate that. I will try and get something. I will, try, I will look to her and then be disappointed in her. And that's why the strongest marriage is, is when your hope is not in your spouse. It's in him. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. It's so beautiful. And so this is the message this morning. That to hear this and to be convinced of it, thank God, God never left us by ourselves. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is helping you today to know that this is true. Something in you thinks, I don't, I don't remember everything, but I know that this is true. I don't know how I know, I just know. And therefore, my way really of encouraging people, if you're into evangelism, is tell people the truth about what Christ has done for them. Don't tell them something, well, this is who you could be, and this is what you might be able to do. Don't speak to them as a manager. The Holy Spirit speaks to the voice of a father. By the Spirit, led by the Spirit, in the unction of the Spirit, and filled with love, dare to tell people who they are, and the Holy Spirit will witness to that, because he can witness with the truth, but he can't witness with a maybe, or perhaps, or maybe sometime. He witnesses with the truth, so stick to the truth. You have been reconciled to God in Christ. The Father is no longer counting your sins against you. Now, what you do with that is up to you. If you want to go to the far country and still build a life for yourself, on you go. Father's still going to be waiting for you. But it's good to come home, isn't it? Praise God. It's good to come home. It's good to come home. So this table, get your emblems out. Let's come to the table because we want to spend some time fellowshipping together. So I'm going to close there. So I'm just going to say to you, really, that this table then, really, is the table that doesn't demand that you do something to become something. This is the table that speaks of Christ. This table does not speak of your obedience, does not even speak of your faith, does not speak of your righteousness. It speaks of Christ. It speaks of His faith, His obedience, His righteousness, because you and I were saved by the obedience of one, the Bible says. Who's the one? Jesus Christ. You and I were saved with the obedience of one. And that's why we come to this table. Now, there's two ways to approach this table. You can approach this table in the spirit, or you can approach this table in the flesh. If you approach this table with earthly eyes, then you have to examine yourself. Oh, my goodness, Lord, look at me. I'm a terrible person. I'm a dog. I live like a dog. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Do you know that under the old covenants, people bringing a lamb to the priest, the priest never examined the person bringing the lamb. The priest examined the lamb <clears throat> this morning let the lamb be examined let the lamb be the reason why you can eat at this table this morning because he's spotless and he is faultless praise god let his life be your life and then you can eat in the spirit you can partake of the very life of god so let's eat and drink together father we just thank you for your broken body and for your shed blood we thank you for our communion together we thank you that we come together. We can treat each other, not like managers, but we can speak with the voice of the Father over each other. Although we've known each other for years, Lord, I thank you that we can see each other after the Spirit. I thank you that we can call each other up, not call each other out. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's healing in that sort of voice. 
And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have the privilege of carrying that voice into this world. So as we eat and drink together this morning, we remember our brothers and sisters, Rill. We remember uh, Elizabeth's nephew, Ian. We remember Kieran this morning. We remember Kevin and Karen this morning. We remember Angela Roddy this morning. I think about uh, my brother-in-law, Robert, in New Zealand, and my sister, Maria, this morning. You have family members you're thinking about this morning. We speak a good word over them. We declare over them this morning, God is not seeing them after their earthly behavior. He speaks to them according to his eternal purpose for them, which was always to prosper them and never to harm them. So, Father, as we partake this morning, we declare that they too will share in the blessing of life, your opinion of them this morning. In Jesus' name, praise God. Let's eat and drink together. Thank you, Lord.